This is the Dismissed Podcast. I was texted by my mother saying, you should do a podcast about being fired and what you learned from that and how you moved on from it. And I initially thought that is the most depressing concept for a podcast I've ever heard. The idea of speaking to people about being fired just sounded no good to me. But part of that was that I was fired and I couldn't imagine discussing getting fired. I couldn't imagine it. But when I posted it to Twitter, a couple of people said, hey, this is a really good idea, actually. I think it would be inspiring to find out how you move past a very fresh, a very fresh dismissal. And then I posted it to Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, just to double check, you know, it's that whole gut check thing you do and everybody really likes the idea. And then Facebook went nuts with people volunteering to be guests. To that end, the very first person who actually direct messaged me to say I would like to be a guest is my very first guest, Stuart Sackler. Stuart, I was wondering if you could uh, just introduce yourself really quick as to what you do and, and what we were going to be talking about today. All right. So my name is Stuart Sackler, as, as you know, and I'm a professor of programming at Durham College in Oshawa. And uh, I began my career a, a long time ago when I was a Flash dev and then Flash died. And then I moved on and became a JavaScript dev and I, I built some cool stuff. I made some menu boards for a certain uh, clown-based restaurant you might have heard of. I've worked for some media outlets and I generally just enjoyed being really lucky and getting some really nice projects. And I'm here today um, to chat with you about uh, times I've been uh, somewhat <laughs> let go and, and learned a few things in the process. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, being let go from, from jobs, usually the, the longer away it is from you, like the more you can kind of have something to learn from it, as opposed to with me, it's so fresh. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, you know, the only thing I talk about is that sucks, you know, yeah. but if I talk about getting fired when I was a teenager or in my twenties, I, you know, there's been enough water under that particular bridge that it doesn't bother me at all. So I wonder, is there, is, was there one instance that sort of really popped into your mind when you first read my, my post? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was working for a certain uh, unnamed uh, for purposes of, of just ensuring safety of career uh, media outlet that I worked for, for a year on contract. And I was told at the very beginning that if things worked out well, my, my contract, my one-year contract was going to be turned full-time. And then when I worked there, things kind of went somewhat sideways, but not necessarily, I think, due to quality of work, but maybe right, right. for other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not for quality of work, but for other reasons. And that I, I would have expected to see air quotes come up. What would the other reasons be? You know, every workplace has uh, a personality. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, especially when we're early on in our career, and at that point, I think I'd, I'd been a developer for about nine years. And my point of view when I go into a place is uh, someone offers you an opportunity. There's a piece of knowledge you don't have or, or a skill you want to learn. If someone mm -hmm. throws that at your feet, it's a good time to pick that up and, and run with it. Because the thing you don't learn today probably will hurt you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So in this particular place, I took on every new skill challenge I could possibly get. 
And this sometimes runs you afoul of, of people who expect perfection from the very start and, and think you don't need references um, right. because from their perspective, you're kind of throwing your butt out into the wind and things can go bad. So I, I think uh, that, that kind of hit me in the wrong way towards the end and, until one day a very happy HR person came up to me with a great big smile on their face. And I thought, Oh no. <laughs> Stuart, can you stay for an extra few minutes after everybody goes home? Uh, I, I guess so. Sure. That's weird. Like they don't, they, they made you work out your day just to can you at the end. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. That's so odd. Usually it's just a tap on the shoulder and, Get your hands off your keyboard because that's not yours. Walk out. (laughs) Yeah, in this case, not so much. I I took on some PHP projects. And at the time, I had no PHP skills. And Uh, we we were all in this meeting. And the the big boss, he was like, hey, uh, I need a volunteer to take on some PHP projects because we we had an external PHP developer, but they're busy. Uh, Who wants to take this on? And I thought, okay, you know what? How do you look good in front of a boss? And how do you pick up some skills at the same time? Right. So it was like, I'll do it. Gimme. And so I started. And then I started to run afoul of some other things. Like, for example, that PHP developer was attached to another department. And that other department didn't want people talking to their developers. Oh, boy. Yeah. Now, um, much to my, my detriment and credit at the same time, uh, I'm a little bit like a dog with a bone when I, when I feel I need some info. So I went to that department and I think I probably stepped on some toes at the same time. Oh boy! So from their perspective, I was threatening their kingdom. From my perspective, I was missing information and that person I wanted to talk to had it. And I think that was the first step down the slippery slope of happy meeting with HR. <laughs> well oh boy yeah that's that's so tough because it's you don't know you don't know how you're going to react from day to day especially if you're talking about like over 20 years ago you know a lot of what we did because i was a flash developer as well at the beginning a lot of what we did was just learn on the job and expect it was going to go okay because we had the unbridled optimism of a 20 something yeah so you know, learning PHP in that time, there was, there was nothing you were going to have to learn that was going to freak you out. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's just, oh yeah, I could totally learn that. Why couldn't I, you know? Yeah. You know, and in the process of learning it, uh, I I picked up a few things like the the pure power of PHP and, and its ability to not only help you build things, Mm -hmm. but to also be a nasty security backdoor that people want to make certain stays closed. Yeah, yeah. PHP is a funny beast. I, I didn't really ever delve into it further than, you know, authoring a couple of pages here or there. But um, yeah, no, PHP's. I, I started to learn pretty early on that, that the technologies that I could adopt what I needed to, to get done what I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of cases, there's a reason there are people who are specifically that particular language. You know, there, there are, yeah. you know, CGI developers, there are PHP developers, there are Perl developers, and that there's a reason because there are things that they know they're like, oh boy, yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> like how not to 777 open up an account to the world. Hey, you know. 
which is not the thing that got me canned. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not, it's not, but it's just the thing I learned along the road. But, you yeah. know, to be honest, it was worth it. It was worth it saying yes to PHP and getting canned for not performing it at the level that they wanted for a bare bones mm. beginner PHP guy. Because on learning that skill, that actually opened the door to another workplace after where I stayed for just shy of about three years. Wow. And without that PHP skill that I learned from, from you know, as my my colleague at the time would have told me, hanging my ass out into the wind, hmm. I, that wouldn't have happened because they didn't have the budget for a separate PHP developer. And I right. learned just enough to be dangerous and to be guided by the PH, PHP folks that they had. And that turned into contests that were played by hundreds of thousands of people. So it, it still opened up some doors. I think actually in, in retrospect, having the experience of taking those chances and, and maybe not necessarily having them work out as well as, as they could have turned into learning opportunities I never would have had otherwise. Right. And do you find it, and this, this is maybe an aside, but do you find that, that this affects how you teach as well? Oh, they, definitely. Making it, making it sort of a, everything is a learning experience, right? Oh yeah. Well, actually uh, one of the lessons that I learned there actually sticks home with me a lot. I was working with, um, a senior architect there uh, who had just recently been promoted into his role. And I, I think in part, he was kind of feeling out his level of power and maybe dealing with me, who was a little bit more junior at the time, made him a touch cranky. Mm. And one day I was absolutely thrown on the rug for using spaces instead of tabs in my HTML, which to me seemed like, well, why is this a big deal? Yeah. But now in how I teach, it helps to show my students how consistency will help them to have a little bit more security and interoperability with their code where they can hand off to someone else and their standards match better. Yeah. So if they don't have to be thrown on the rug and yelled at like I was, then yeah, absolutely. It totally helped. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, it's funny because I, I distinctly remember a lot of arguments about tabs versus spaces and it's they're still ongoing it's 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 literally a personal choice but the idea of what are you working in and what is that what is the standard for that particular language right because there are people who they don't give a shit so it doesn't really matter i might bleep (laughs) i i swear in my other podcasts i don't think about it but it's it's like i don't know whatever we'll see also that's an aside so it doesn't even need to be in the podcast so uh would you say have you had any other instances where you have lost your job where you or 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 even just left a job where where you can go you know i'm really glad i did this because that led to this 100 percent uh i was working for a place that that did very um interactive uh fast food menus for a a, a fast food chain that will once again go i can bleep unnamed. it out Perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, I had been working there for a while and the rest of the, the industry had started to move to HTML5 and Flash was dying. Right. But all their menus were in Flash. Hmm. So I was faced with this choice because my, my daughter was about to be born. I was working crazy overtime, maybe like between 60 and 90 hours a week mm-hmm. of, of time at the office. And, you know, I knew if I stayed that my career was pretty much going to be over because no one was going to hire me for Flash. Right, And I went to a ton of interviews towards the end because I could see the end coming. 
And I realized even my JavaScript skills were falling out of date because I never had the chance to use those skills. Right. So basically me and my manager, we had a chat and he's like, are you sure you, you don't want this role anymore? And I said, well, either my career dies here or I jump out and I build my own parachute. Mm. And I spent, I think the next year or so, um, gosh, when my, when my daughter was asleep, I would be doing tutorial after tutorial and building project after project and going for interviews. And when my daughter was awake, I'd be playing with her and exhausted and she didn't sleep at night at that age. So maybe I was a bit of a zombie, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was the best choice I could ever make. Because when I look back at the hours and what I would have been asked to do had I stayed, which would have been a combination of flash and data entry with the time for learning new skills held over my head as something that maybe we'll get to at some point when EBITDA is a good enough number. Well, Mm -hmm. it's not worth it. Yeah. I think, I I think we don't give enough credit to the, I've had this discussion about the old flash devs plenty of times, but we don't give a lot of credit to the learning on the fly and then choosing to kind of exhaust yourself while learning because life is happening and you're, and you realize this role isn't going to stay. So I better learn these other things. And you do that at night. I've often said, Again, that, you know, my nine to five hardly ever impacts my evening, but my Mm -hmm. five to nine always impacts my day. So I always learn at night and take it all over to the, to my job. And then all of a sudden my job gets better because I've learned something at night. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's weird. The things that, that you learn that don't seem like they connect a hundred percent when you look at them can sometimes turn into things that do. Mm-hmm. So when I took that time off with my daughter and I learned a ton of JavaScript, I never would have used on that job. It helped me out in the longer term. And right. whenever I went to an interview and they said, no, it helped me out because I realized, okay, well, there's another skill gap. And the funniest part is the thing that helped me the most wasn't even coding at all. If I had never been fired and stressed out, then I never would have spent a whole lot of time playing this ukulele I'm holding in my hands. Right which turned into a chance to get into people's faces, right? but in a good way. And without that, teaching never would have happened um, because that that was a chance to take those technical skills and merge them with a performance skill and and turn into something different. So, you know, being being fired took me out of my complacency. Yeah. And that's, (laughs) and it's kind of, it's kind of funny, but, you know, just saying somebody was fired like it and then they go it lit a fire under my you know you're like oh okay oh, yeah i guess so you know and my that's i think that's why i was calling it dismissed is just like yeah i don't like the idea of calling it being fired i i know that i know that that's how we all say it and that's how we all look at it but it was like yeah. at one point i i was thinking of calling the podcast severance check but yeah. but the problem being that sometimes you don't really get a severance check, you know, sometimes you just get canned and it's like, yeah, you know, that's how it kind of goes. And I, I don't know that. And also there's a show called severance right now on Apple TV. That is really, <sighs> that is really, you know, there's a lot of podcasts called severance. There's nothing called dismissed. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh goodness. So, you know, it's all, it's all about visibility. I think, I don't know. Absolutely. Because this is such a fresh thing, I, there was no real plan 
Usually I have a plan. <laughs> gotcha. How long have you been teaching? I've been teaching uh, since 2017. Oh, okay. So five years. Longer than I ever worked in any agency. Why, why do you feel educators uh, choose to stay in the job for as long as they, uh, they do? Ooh, so many reasons. So first of all, when I, when I get up and, and go about my day, I, I can compare what my life was before to what it is now. In terms of tasks, if someone says to you, would you rather help someone sell a little bit more mayonnaise mm-hmm. that will potentially give someone a heart attack later on because by law, we can't put the word healthy in the description or get up and go in front of a class and help someone realize that they can do more than they ever thought possible. And they're going to make something that's going to inspire them. Mm-hmm. One feels so much better on the soul. So when I had the chance to go and teach, this actually came after I had an intern at the office. And uh, this particular intern, he was hilarious and personable and funny and absolutely probably didn't belong at that company. Right. And one of the saddest days was when I had to let him go because some of the work that he had done had put us behind about 10 to 15 hours on a high priority project. And this wasn't once, this was consistently. And I thought to myself, well, if only I could be on the other side of things where people are being shown how to pull off some of these skills, the base level before we get to this, Mm -hmm. maybe this wouldn't need to happen. And that's when I started pushing and reaching out to contacts and saying, well, do you, do you need someone to come in contract and teach? Mm -hmm. And, you know, getting that taste of things and realizing that you can help someone to build something amazing, that's reason to stay. And you may not get the huge paychecks of tech, but when you really balance it out, you go to work, you help people out, you come home, you have time to spend with your family. Mm-hmm. And sure, there are late nights with marking, but the balance of things seems so much better. My daughter will remember me being there for her first steps, her first words, her first meal, so many firsts, playing with her. And I, I know I'm not going to be around forever, but I know that if I were working the insane hours of advertising, she would remember me as being a distant dad who was never there. Yeah. Being an educator, I can still make an impact, but she'll remember me as the dad who played with her. Right. And that means so much more. I, I can't imagine going the opposite way at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It isn't like once you become a family person like once you have kids um, my my son is uh going to be 16 this year and my wow my daughter is 10 and a half and they are they're all very different people and um you know all of it comes down to at the beginning i was freelance for when my son was born and i was quite there i was available and you know it has been a real shift in mm-hmm. and out you know with the with the pandemic most especially how we were able to so for the record everybody this is being recorded on may 1st 2022 we're in the third year of a global pandemic and we have spent uh, those of us in advertising or marketing uh experiential or otherwise we have spent the past two and a half years essentially on zoom or on google meet and doing video conferencing using slack ad nauseum and my kids were going to school virtually for a long time and I was there and I've been able to make breakfast and I've been able to make lunches and dinners and, 
ask them if they want snacks and stand up and go down and see it. And the, the difference between needing to go into an office every day and being present for them every day has been amazing for me, whether or not it's amazing for them. <laughs> That's the balancing act. Am I too much in your face? Let me know, you know, but um, I don't know. I, I totally can, I can see the value in, in being able to say I was there and, and they'll remember me as the, as the parent who was there, you know, yeah. as a parent that was there. Sorry. There is another parent involved, I assume. So, yeah. That, that legacy follows you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. And, it, and it, it shapes how they act and it shapes how they behave with people. And it, it, you know, I think it's, I think it has a, I think it definitely has a value. Yeah. Well, we went down a real heart tugging kind of path there. It's really, really sweet. Um, so <laughs> the other, the other, the, the question I have is uh, as an educator, um, I, I have taught a couple of times and I, I always kind of come down to I'm way too laid back to be an educator. And 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 I I honestly, and I, I'm sure you think of yourself as laid back, but to the extent that if I don't have a solid plan, and I've always been sort of asked in the at the last minute to start teaching, and it's it's usually one semester and I do my thing and I walk away and don't feel bad at all. But mm-hmm. in the midst of it, I realize, oh man, I am not bred for this. I, you know, I am very used to to being super independent and doing the things I need to do to do the job I have to do. So whenever I'm, whenever I encounter a group of students who really desperately need direction, I'm always like, figure it out. But they're like, but you're the teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. You're supposed to show us how to figure it out. So there's where my temperament is, is probably not adequate for, for education. Although I do, you know, I, I love the idea of teaching someone and, uh, and I have enjoyed teaching and I, I do like it when there's that aha moment with, with students where they, they go, Oh, finally, he said something of value. you know. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I, I don't know that I'm all that um, laid back. <laughs> oh no. Okay, good. <laughs> no, I, I have to be honest. Um, having seen at some point sections of tech culture and agency life that are very on the wire and very last minute where things have to be done. Right. Sure. Yeah. I'm not going to go at it at the same fervor that I experienced at an agency, but my students have to know that there are certain ways to do things that will keep them out of trouble. Uh, That being said, I I provide them with options and and the pandemic has helped with this. The beautiful thing about Zoom and uh, screencasting and home green screen studios, all that good stuff is I've been able to clone myself. Right. Because when you're, when you teach to a large group, as, as you know, some people are going to get it. Some people are not going to get it. Some people don't even want to be there. Yeah. And to try and bridge those three different groups together to help people continue that learning while not getting sidetracked. Uh, the first two years of the pandemic, I spent pretty much nearly every day down here with a green screen behind me with my code projected on that green screen. So right. all those base concepts could be rewatched, which would free me up to help people who still needed more one-on-one on top of that class time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the pandemic was actually really useful for this. That also freed me up to set up code repositories. So if they wanted to check the code and see something working so they'd know what was happening, I could show them that. Mm-hmm. And that that triple uh, threat uh, means of like either 
being there for their eyes or their eyes and ears or live, I think actually is, is something that will shape how I teach moving forward. And something again, that makes me love teaching more than I loved advertising because in advertising, it's, it's always the hard slog of like that next pitch. And it's, it's always unique and individual. And, and in teaching, you do have the uniqueness and the individuality, but you know, there are certain learning styles and you can cater to some of those and then make yourself free to do more. Uh, that ability to, to clone yourself and, and kind of almost automate yourself in the background. It's helpful. It's, it's helpful to reach a wider audience. Yeah. I, and, and it's, it's nice to hear the, the positive result of, of what has gone on. I, I think that a lot of educators had the opportunity to figure things out the way you did. Um, I don't think every one of them did. We're still struggling with some educators that are, they're, they're just, they're really believing that, oh, well, it's just going to go back to normal and I'll be back in a class. So I'll just get this done the way I have been getting it done. And, you know, all the difficulties be damned. And you're, you're just like, man, I'm sorry, but you need to adjust your thinking right now to, yeah. to help the students who are struggling right now, you know? And not just struggling right now. I think struggling longer term. Yeah. There's, there's a real estate issue in teaching. And that is that you, you have this thinking of the 40 hour work week pervading the education space Mm -hmm. because education traditionally pre pandemic was you have a room for a certain block of time and there are X number of rooms and that's it. And if you don't have the room, you can't teach. Right. But that's not entirely true. And the pandemic opened up this possibility of time shifting things and dealing more with what the the psychology of learning and attention tells us. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, if someone natters on at you for three hours, you're going to tune out. Oh, yeah. And you're probably going to miss something. But what happens if that person can talk with you for 20 minutes? You can pause them, walk away, get your brain back again, and then come and listen again with a break without someone saying, you're being rude. You're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. suddenly it becomes more attuned to an actual human attention span of 15 to 25 minutes, right? which we didn't have before. And if you subtract the hour and a half to two hours of commute to and from that classroom, suddenly you've given them back between two and three hours of their life back for them to do things with. Yeah. To my thinking, that sounds really humane because they can think like a normal human being, not like someone who has to like just wrote, just cram this stuff into their brain, which is 90% is going to leave their mind and leave their short-term memory before they have a chance to truly recall it. Yeah. Uh, and, and then of course, give them the chance to have the downtime in between for their brain to process. It seems like a win-win. Yeah. I really have enjoyed this conversation as an insight into education, because I think that a lot of us on the outside of it don't take into account what our teachers are going through. I think we maybe have a, a good solid uh, episode here. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for a first episode, we cannot have gone wrong. <laughs> Lovely. But if you, you know, like, I, I have a dismissal story that is actually a bit funny. <laughs> yes. I mean, this, this we'll, we'll, we'll post credits it. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Um, right. Yeah. No, I definitely want to hear a funny, I have, I have my own and I'll probably, I'll be doing them separately, but yeah, I want to, I want to hear funny ones too. I used to work for a, a major agency on the East end of town. And at the time I was doing a project for a bank and I was getting burned out. Hmm. 
And uh, I think the, the real, real kicker was one day after I'd worked every evening and multiple weekends, hearing the account manager behind me talking about how good their golf game was on the weekend and then wondering why their project wasn't done yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point I had started hunting for another job and then someone at one point cornered me and they said, look, we know you're job hunting, stop job hunting or we'll fire you. Right. And I said, well, all right then. Yeah. And then uh, anyways, long and short last day, I got called up to HR as, as you described it, you know, don't touch your keyboard anymore. It's not yours anymore. But the night before I'd kind of expected that it was coming. Right. So I made some pralines to feel better. <laughs> sat down there in the kitchen. I got some, 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 some delicious candied hazelnuts and they, they were lovely and tasted delicious. A little bit of vanilla <laughs> and some sugar, butter, the best. And I'm sitting there in the room with the HR people and they're giving me the, the speech of, you know, well, thank you for being here. And they finally said to me, do you have any questions for us? Mm-hmm. Now at this, at this point, I was super tired and I wasn't thinking straight and I'm eating my bag of pralines in front of them. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm being very rude. I'm eating this delicious snack. Would anybody like <laughs> So I hold out my bag of pralines and I say, would you like some of my roasted nuts? <laughs> and then a few seconds later, I realized what it was that I actually said to them. Right. And they looked at each other and they looked at me and they said, nope, we're good here. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> and I was out the door with my box of stuff. Amazing. Stuart, unless you have something to add, I have mm-hmm. to, I have to say, I think we're good. I think we've done a, a really good job. We've done a description of you getting canned. <laughs> <laughs> talk about a career, career change. Talk about certain really big life decisions you've made um, to, to, to change your path. The working as an educator and then one funny story of getting let go with your pralines. I think that that is a successful episode. Thank you. I I quite agree. And thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, no, no. It's on me to thank you because like, honestly, again, uh, without, without a guest, uh, I am a lone voice screaming into the void. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's life. That's life. Goodness. I think that's normal podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. This episode of Dismissed was produced by and is copyright of Hugh Elliott. Did you enjoy this episode and want to support the podcast? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Hugh Q Elliott, two L's and two T's. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month for behind the scenes, early releases, and even more content. Feel like you have a story to tell? Email Hugh dismissed at hughqelliot.com with the subject guest. Thanks for listening and have a fantastic day.